everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, we are wrapping up the story today, and if this story today never happened, you would never have right relationship with God or access to God the Father, so I guess it's kind of important. Uh, that this that this story happened. And while we talk about the fact that this story happened, uh, there is part of it that may not have. So <laughs> plenty to cover today. Uh, we are looking at Matthew 28, and we're also looking at Mark 16. Uh, pretty short chapters, but both relating to the resurrection of Jesus. I feel like that was quite the introduction. Holy cow. <laughs> Everything hinges on this story. Uh, so we are opening up with just the idea of the resurrection happening, who Jesus appears to first, which I think was actually uh, unique. However, Ryan debunked my my theory about how cool it was. So I was excited <laughs> for the fact that Jesus appeared to women first. However, if you listen to the reading uh, in Mark chapter 16, there is a little side note that says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include this section uh, about Jesus appearing to Mary first. All right. So since you're bringing that up, let's go there first. If you look at Mark 16, uh, verses 9 to 20, have bars around them, at least in the ESV that we are reading. And it says, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. If you remember, uh, we bumped into the same kind of situation in John chapter 8. Same exact thing. Um, it appears like this piece of text, so these couple of verses at the end of Mark, were not actually recognized as part of Mark until the late 2nd century or early 3rd century. So we know that because the early Greek versions that we have do not contain these verses, and the early church fathers who were commentating on um, the book of Mark did not have any comments on these verses. So if you read like early church fathers from the first and second century, there's no comments, there's no references, there's no thoughts that come from these verses. And uh, there is Greek words used, particularly for the signs listed uh, in the end of this book of Mark that are not used in the entirety of the rest of the book of Mark. So if, if you get down into like the nitty gritty of the language, like when Mark calls a miracle a miracle in the whole rest of the book, he uses a Greek word that is different than the Greek word that is used in these last couple of verses. So the case is pretty compelling that this was not originally in the book of Mark. The reason that it's included uh, in your Bible today is because after the you know the end of the second century, beginning of the third century, people started to include it. So it's very likely that it's like an end commentary piece um, that may be related to things that were accurate understandings that people had that was added by church fathers in that second century, third century window. The, the good news is it doesn't change our theology in any kind of significant way. Mm-hmm. Like it, like it's not like it says, and actually Jesus wasn't alive. Like that would be a crisis for us. Uh, but that's not what's, <laughs> that's not what's going on here. It's just saying essentially that um, believers that like, that follow Jesus um, will have right relationship with God. They'll be able to do some incredible things, which is, we should probably talk about those things too. Well, before we do, I want to kind of note back to the narrative part. So yeah. after Jesus is resurrected, the angel appears to the women. 
supposedly Jesus also appears to Mary, um, Mary Magdalene, that is. If we jump back to Matthew chapter 28, something else that stuck out to me uh, concerning this narrative piece is the report of the guard. So after after, um, Jesus is resurrected and the women see him, they're like, excuse me, see the angel, they're like, they're astonished. At the same time, um, some of the guards also went into the city like, holy cow, guess what just happened? They're talking to the chief priests and the chief priests are like, oh no, this can't happen. The elders, the chief priests, they all got together and were like, we need to pay off those guys and make sure that they run the narrative that that is not what happened, that the disciples came in the middle of the night, they took the body um, so that it appears as if Jesus had actually risen from the dead. Uh, And a unique verse is that, Uh, chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 15 says, So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. That's crazy. So like, I mean, I guess not recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, it would make sense that this story was supposed to be like held on and passed on to future generations. It's just, it's crazy. And that's not some old dusty thing that nobody talks about anymore. There are still people that say that like, Mm -hmm. oh, he didn't really rise from the dead. His disciples snuck in there and took him. That's not an idea that people came up with on their own. That's the idea that these guards came up with like on the spot on the night. The elders and chief priests told them to pass along this lie. So it continues to be told. It shows you how powerful lies are. And like, if you hear this and you're like, yeah, okay, nobody really came back to life. Listen, everybody that believed this end up paying for it with their lives. Mm -hmm. So all of Jesus' disciples die saying that Jesus rose from the dead. Twelve people. Um and, and many after. And many after. <laughs> now, if you get really picky, like John uh, lived out in exile on Patmos. But like, I mean, I, I guess you tell me something that you can get 12 people to die for preaching that it's true when it's not. Mm-hmm. So if it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I actually uh, I, I actually only weigh 150 pounds. Like, first of all, it's obviously a lie. <laughs> now get Now get 15 people to die saying that it's true. Like there are many compelling reasons to believe that Jesus rose from the dead outside of the text. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones. The other one is that James writes a whole book saying that his brother is God. And if you have siblings, like not anytime sooner, they're going to write a book about how you are God and people should worship you. So that's just like two short proofs. We could get into more later, but that's actually not the entire point of the podcast. (laughs) Not, not exactly. But I thought that was very interesting how, this is all happening, and they're still rejecting him. They're mm-hmm. still trying to lead people away from him, um, which it lasted till even today. Crazy. Since since we're on uh, Matthew twenty eight, there's one thing I want to call out that I, I've noticed before, but was I really got me thinking. Um, and this is the verse we use a lot: Matthew uh, twenty eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is a comma there. And usually we treat it like it's a period, if that makes sense. So if you have heard this verse, most likely you've heard only that verse, I would guess. Now that verse is a Trinitarian verse. So it's interesting that Jesus says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's all one. But he continues to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the end of the thought. That's the period. 
So sometimes people can get carried away and get hyper-focused on, we need to spread the gospel, we need to baptize people. But that's only the first part of the verse. The second part is teach them everything that Jesus has commanded. So if you are trying to witness to people and baptize people that have not been taught everything that Jesus has commanded, you're actually missing out on 50% of what Jesus said to do. And the one of the words that they use here is to observe all that I've commanded. Our commentary says another word for that that would be of equivalent weight would be obey. So mm-hmm. it's not even a matter of just recognizing, but also living a life that is obedient to what Jesus called us to. So the reason I call this out is because there is like a move in particularly larger churches right now, just to baptize as many people as possible. And the case is often like, well, you know, when people became believers in the New Testament, they just got baptized on the spot. They almost universally, when people got baptized on the spot, like were transported there, or there was some kind of like extra spiritual thing happening. Uh, But there is no concept of baptism outside of discipleship in the New Testament church. And so a lot of times, for some reason, we skip the second half of that sentence that is teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So discipleship is very important. That is how we teach people to be obedient to the commands of Jesus. Um, we don't, you know, it's not a works-based faith, but you can't honor the Jesus that saved you unless you know what he's asked you to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like you've always made that comparison to like, if I want to know or if I want to love my wife, like, how am I going to love her if I don't actually know who she is? Yep. And I think oftentimes we really slap that word love on a lot of things, including our relationship with the Lord, when in actuality, we don't even know who he is. Like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus so much. My life is dedicated to him. I'm so sold out. Okay, like, what does that look like in your life? How do you know what Jesus loves, what Jesus wants, if you don't, like, actively, daily I don't know, progress that relationship. Learn his commandments. Yeah. Learn to be obedient to him. And and don't hear us wrong. Like we're not against people saying that they really love Jesus. Um, but you are really, really significantly missing out if you are not learning what he has commanded and obeying what he has commanded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very likely that if you are trying to pursue a life in Christ without learning what he has commanded and without learning how to be obedient to him, uh, you're probably not actually following him. Well, oftentimes I've heard it's interesting. A lot of people that I talk to, and myself included, I find myself in that rut where you hear similar phrases to, I feel really far from God. I don't know what God's saying to me right now. I don't know what he's like trying to do in my life. Um, He feels really far away. Like all of those things or like, I don't understand why any of this is happening. Like, I think we can say that in a healthy place, but oftentimes those are coming from a very unhealthy place as far as relationship with God and knowing who he is mm-hmm. falling right back into this verse of obeying everything that he has commanded. So just to call out an awkward thing, just to make sure that we cover it and you don't think we're ignoring it. If you look at Mark 16 uh, verses 17 to 19, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if oh, they man. drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Okay. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Can I preface this for a moment? Yep, go for it. So the picking up serpents, I definitely watched like a whole YouTube, did a YouTube dive on this of 
uh, this church who, I guess, as part of their service, they just whip out snakes and they're holding them while they're preaching. It's real weird and really unsettling the whole time. Awesome. <laughs> so, But that stems from this verse. It's an odd verse. I don't want to ignore it. Um, the thing that you need to keep in mind is what we said earlier. Most likely, this verse is not actually part of what was written down by Mark. It's it's very, mm. the case for this is very compelling. This was not actually written by Mark and included by Mark. Um, so why include it anyway? That's interesting to Because me. if you're looking at us in, you know, 2,000 years after the resurrection, for the last 1,700 years, people have read it as though it was part of it. This is that, that thing we've talked about. We talked about it several episodes ago, but... Um, scholarship and archaeology and discovery has led us to have a lot more available to us than what was available in the past. It's not like it's not necessarily that we've gotten smarter or that we're more wise than our ancestors. You've been able to back up. We just have more evidence now that they did not have. And and actually in the last two, three hundred years, we have significantly more evidence uh, than all those years prior. So a lot of people live their Christian lives believing this was part of Mark now with a lot more scholarship. And again, it's not, we're not changing theology. We're just saying like, eh, most likely it wasn't there. Okay. So here's a question then. Then this is like, for me, uh, I started Bible school with a very, very limited idea of theology. So just based off of what you said, our whole thing when we were in college was we believe that the Bible yep. is like God breathes, yep. it, like no errors at all whatsoever. So how do we back up something that says, well, some of the manuscripts don't include this, but we did include this. So like, have I been reading a Bible that's like fake the whole time, at least in this this specific I don't think so, because text. when you read this, it's in brackets. It's called out as like, this is most not most likely not part of the original So why even bother putting it in? Uh, because there's... 1700 years of Christian history where it is put in. So, and so the, what trumps the, God word or the, it's not, it's not a Trump thing. It's, <laughs> it's not an in out thing. It's a listen. This has been in the text. We now have scholarship that assumes it most likely was not. It does not change the theology significantly. So it doesn't hurt to call out the fact that this is something that we've noticed. Mm-hmm. And when for the first 300 years of Christian faith, nobody mentions these verses, mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty compelling yeah, that's a that's a small group of literature, first of all, but it's pretty compelling that it's not part of the text. Now, with that being said, uh, the prevailing belief is that this was an added like epilogue of the book of Mark, which is why it calls out specifically things that are mentioned in the book of Acts and the book of James. Yeah. Uh, the only one that is not specifically mentioned is drinking poison and recovering. And that is because there was a very popular story um, by this guy named Eusebius where he, he did drink poison and did not die. Hmm. And that would have been a popular story around the time that we think this was added. Yeah. So, again, very compelling case that this is added. It does not change our theology. It does not change our belief about God. I think it actually gives us more confidence in the text when these brackets are around it. Um, because if you did go on like a witch hunt to figure out, you know, what part of the Bible is not real? You might find this and think, ha, they are trying to fool us. And they're, here they're explicitly trying to not fool you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you read over this and you get nervous, because it does say these signs will accompany those who believe. And you're like, oh, I've never casted out a demon. I've never spoken in new tongues. I've never picked up serpents. I've never drank poison. You, don't freak don't. out. <laughs> the, first of all, most likely was not in the Mark account. And uh, it does clearly say, the, the key to right relationship with God is belief. 
belief. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but who do whoever does not believe will not will blah, 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 will be condemned. I'm so sorry. Notice it does not say uh, whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. So belief, primary thing, belief, 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 belief. That is in line with what we are learning from all the other texts. That's what we take away from this. Should you experience supernatural things in your life? I think you should. Um, does that mean you're picking up snakes at church? I don't think so. That seems odd. Uh, but I do think... It was definitely weird. We we should have right relationship with God. And we should experience um, spiritually led supernatural things because of that. And that doesn't always mean moving mountains. Sometimes it means that you're you know praying to God and you are seeing God answer your prayers. So all that to say... Uh, the your part for today is don't doubt the Bible. Hopefully that is clear. Hopefully that helped you, Bible College Jenny. Um, <laughs> and also know that it is a very real thing that Jesus rose from the dead. Everything, everything, everything we have been reading has led us to this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. And Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered the grave, which means he has the authority to forgive our sins and give us right relationship with God. So we'll be back in tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Matthew chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb. With fear and great joy they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while they were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us to the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16 verses 9 through 20. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name... They will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, and they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.